Sorry. So tonight we're continuing our series, Made for More. And in this series, we've been talking about a lot of different things. Some of them have been great. Actually, all of them have been great. But some of them a little awkward, right? It's really a series that we're going through talking about how do we handle topics related to sexuality as Christians. And so we're talking about living in the more that God created us for. Living in the more that God made us for. The goodness of this thing that God created called sex and how beautiful it can be. Like we've been talking about that. But here's the truth. Although there's this good image that we could have that the Bible paints for us about how good this can be and how God created it for us. We don't always want to live in the more. Sometimes we're tempted to live in the less. And so tonight we're talking about how do we face sexual temptation in our lives. And tonight we're going to be looking at the story of David and Bathsheba. So you're following along it's in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11, the story of David and Bathsheba. And we're going to look at what led David to committing adultery with Bathsheba. I heard uh, this pastor Rick Warren once said that I commit sin based off lies that I hear. Every sin I ever committed was based off of a lie that I believed. And as we see David is going down this process where he's being tempted more and more. David is believing lies. And when we are tempted, we are listening to lies. That's what temptation is. It's, it's really listening to the lies to live in the less and not live in the more. So we're starting out tonight in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. It says this. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. The first point that we're talking about tonight is this. The first lie of this temptation is resist sin and then you can live for Jesus. Resist sin and then you can live for Jesus. You might be thinking, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to resist sin. Yes, absolutely. We're going to talk about that. But the order is important. And this is a lie right here. It's a lie that we are supposed to resist sin before we're supposed to live for Jesus. David was not fulfilling his role. It was the time when kings go out to battle and David is a king, but what's he not doing? He's not going out to battle, right? He's supposed to be doing that. He's not fulfilling his role as a king. It was springtime. It was probably maybe April or something like that. It was nice outside. And David wanted to stay home. But it says that he sent Joab, that's his general, and some of his servants, and said all of Israel went with him. And so does that mean maybe every single guy literally in Israel went to war? No, but probably a lot of them. A lot of these warriors are going out to Israel, but are going out to war from Israel. But David, their leader, stayed home. He chose not to fulfill his God-given purpose in his life. He chose not to give, fulfill the role that God had given him as king. And so because David was not focused on fulfilling his role as king, what that did is it opened the door just a little bit, just a crack for temptation to begin to creep into his life. When you lose sight of your purpose and the more that you want to live in, and living for Christ, it makes it easier for temptation to creep into your life because we're spiritually lazy. You have a role to play. Maybe you're not the king of Israel, right? None of us are, but you still have an important role to play. You're a son or a daughter at home. 
You might be a student, an athlete, a musician. I don't know what, what it may be for you, but God has given you a role in your life, a purpose in your life to fulfill for his glory. Just like God gave David the purpose of being a king for his glory. And when we lose sight of that role that God has given us, then temptation comes knocking. How we usually handle temptation is not by looking up, but by looking down. And that's not a good thing. Rather than look up at God, the, the one that we're striving after, we tend to look down at our problems and the sins that we're struggling with and just say, I need to resist this. And all we do is we focus and focus like, God, I, just help me resist this thing. And it's difficult, right? It's kind of like when you're driving home from camp and you really have to go to the bathroom. That's the only thing you can think about, right, Tristan? That's the only thing you, that's on your mind. It's all you can think about. You're just thinking, resist, 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 and you're just looking at this sin, at this problem. But that's not fun, right? It's not fun, right, Tristan? It's, it's not fun. That's not a fun way to live life. And Christ didn't set us free from sin to just live a life trying to resist sin, right? It doesn't help to just focus on the problem, to just focus on the sin. Instead, we should focus on the purpose that God has given us in our lives. Because when we focus on fulfilling that role, fulfilling that purpose, that helps us to, to live for Christ, but also not worry as much about just resisting sin. So here's the truth to counter the lie. The lie was resist sin, then you can live for Jesus. But the truth is live for Jesus, and then you can resist sin. When you're focused on what you are for rather than what you're against, that's a much better life. If you're focused on, I am for Christ, and that's the main focus of your life, rather than the main focus of your life being, I'm against sin, your life is going to be a lot happier, right? Because you're not always going to be in this, um, this complete battle war zone, always trying to resist sin. You're focused on living in the freedom that Christ has given you. He sent you free from sin, not to live this life struggling and walking around the prison that you used to be and just trying not to go in. That's what it's like when we're resisting sin. We used to be in this prison of our sin, but Jesus set us free. But for some reason, we like to walk around that prison and just live our lives trying not to go back in rather than go out and live in the freedom that Christ has made us for. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. It doesn't say... For just resisting sin, Christ has set us free. No, he set us free for freedom. He set us free so we would feel free to live for him. Not restricted and enslaved by the sin that we used to be consumed with. Do you feel like you need to flip the script in your life? Have you been focusing more on just resisting sin or living for Jesus? Do you let your resistance of sin flow out of your heart's desire to live for Christ. Christ set you free so you can enjoy your freedom and walk away from the old chains. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2-5. through five. And it happened late one afternoon that David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house. And he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one of them said, Is this not... Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself for her uncleanness, and then she returned to her house. 
The woman conceived and she sent and told David, I'm pregnant. Here's lie number two that temptation wants you to believe. I'm in control. David, the king, not fulfilling his role, he takes a nap and he goes up on his roof. And I don't think this is the first time that David did this. From the king's roof, you could see all, all of Israel. I've been in Jerusalem and it's pretty easy to see a lot of people's houses and things like that. And if you really look closely, you might, if someone was on the roof, you'd probably be able to see them. So David, he goes out onto his roof, and I can't help but wonder if this had become a pattern for him. I can't help but wonder if David, not fulfilling his God-given purpose, got stuck in this pattern of spiritual laziness and this pattern of going up on top of his roof to look for women that he could lust after. I wonder if it was a pattern for him. I'm not sure. I don't think someone really goes all the way to this act of committing adultery just randomly out of nowhere, right? Usually something builds up for that. So it makes me think that this isn't the first time that David has done this. So David is lusting, and his lust follows his process. This is what happened. He sees the woman, and he lusts. He starts to fantasize in his mind. He gets curious, and then he asks about who is this. He finds out that it's Uriah's wife. But by this point, he had gone so far down that path, he sent messengers and he commits adultery. The key word here is the word sent. S-E-N-T, sent. David, at the beginning of the story, when, the, when kings go out to battle, what does David do? David sends Joab, his general, his, his warriors, David sends people to, to go inquire about Bathsheba, to go get Bathsheba. David is the king. So in David's mind, he's in control of everything. And David was a man of God. That's what the Bible says. And so David's probably thinking in his mind, well, I can control this. I can go this far. I cannot fulfill my role as a king. I deserve a break. I know that God has, has given me this role to fulfill, but... You know, I've been working so hard and, and trying to glorify God. I'm such a good king. I'm just going to take a break just this once and do something for myself rather than do something for God. And that's the first problem that, that he had. And he thinks he's in control. He's sending people everywhere. He's the king. He's thinking maybe I can go this far, but not that far. But this is the process. This is what happens. It starts out with he's not fulfilling his role. And then he's taking a nap and he goes up on his roof. And then after that, he lusts. And then after that, his lust turns into curiosity, and his curiosity turns into sin, physically committing adultery. And for us, this process looks similar too. We can be not focused on living for Christ, fulfilling our role in that, and we could start to drift and maybe get a bad pattern, a negative pattern in our life, and find ourselves in a situation where we might be tempted, and we can think, well, it's okay for me to be in this situation. I I'm strong enough. But then we're in that temptation, that temptation plays time and time again. So it gets harder and harder to resist that. And then eventually it can turn into lust, to curiosity, to physical sin, like with David. But here's the good news. It's truth number two. You can set yourself up to win against temptation. You can set yourself up to win against temptation. When I was in high school, I played basketball. And uh, there's this school called Taft, and Taft is this uh, little town just outside Bakersfield. And if you think there's nothing to do in Bakersfield, there's really nothing to do in Taft, okay? Taft is like, 
Boy. It's small. It's it just it sucks out there. We just Taft is just their own thing, okay? But because there's nothing to do in Taft, everybody goes to the basketball game. So the entire town of Taft is at this basketball game, and they are loud, and they are like rude, they're maybe a little redneck, and they're like, it's kind of funny, but they're like saying mean things or whatever, like, you suck, you stupid ginger kid, you know, stuff like that. And so playing basketball at Taft was not the most fun thing to do, right? And we actually beat them one time. We used, we beat them, uh, we lost to them like two years in a row on their home court, but we beat them that one time. And so sometimes you can win away games, right? It happens, but it's easier to win at home. It's easier to win at home. In a similar way, you can set yourself up to win against temptation. It's a lot harder to win against sexual temptation when you're not playing on your home court by your terms. What that means is you can choose to be in a situation to set yourself up where it's easier for you to win or it's easier for you to lose. You can set the schedule. You can set the schedule and say, I want all home games or I want to play some away games. You can set the schedule and say, I want to put myself in this situation where I know I'm going to be less likely to fall to that temptation or I'm going to put myself in this situation where I know I'm going to be more likely to fall to that temptation. You set the terms because you can control what you can. You can't control if temptation is going to come. It's going to happen, right? It's, you're going to be tempted. It's inevitable. You can't control that. And that's not your fault. But what you can control is the situations that you put yourself in and whether or not those situations will make it easier or harder for you to win that battle. Can you win away games when it comes to sexual temptation? Sometimes. Sometimes you can, but not very much, not very much. And over time, the more, the more away games you play with that, the more you put yourself in a situation where it's harder and harder to win, the more likely you are to fall again and again and again. Here's what it may look like to be in a situation that would make temptation more difficult for you. It may look like uh, being home alone with no one around. That, that might be what it looks like for you. It might be uh, being alone with your boyfriend or girlfriend, sitting in a car or at home. It might be uh, bringing your phone behind a locked door where you might be tempted to look at something. I don't know what it might be for you. But there are situations that you can try to avoid and say, you know, I'm going to make this easier for myself. I'm going to make this a home game. Temptation is inevitable, but you can proactively win the battle before it even starts by setting those boundaries in your life. Lie number three, this only affects me. King David was very selfish in this story, right? Who's he thinking of? Himself. He's not thinking of others. He's not thinking of Bathsheba and how this is going to affect her. He's not thinking of Uriah, her husband. He's not thinking of his people as he's their king, being a bad leader, a bad king. He's thinking of himself. He's thinking, this only affects me. But sin will always take you farther than you want to go, and it keeps you longer than you want to stay. Maybe you've heard that. But it also will hurt more people than you intend for it to hurt. David's lust caused him to sin against Bathsheba, committing adultery with her. She got pregnant. That, that baby ended up dying. He wanted to cover it up, so he had 
her husband come home from war and try to get her husband to be with his wife, but Uriah was such an honorable man that he refused to go be with his wife. He was so loyal to his fellow soldiers. He's like, I'm not going to go hang out with my wife when my, my guys are out there in battle fighting. So he literally spent the night in front of David's door. And so David gave up on that and he sent him back to Joab with a letter. And that letter was really a death letter for Uriah. So Joab put Uriah at the front of the battle and had all the other soldiers fall back. And so Uriah was killed. So David, by those means, murdered Uriah. David covered up his sin. And after he murdered Uriah, he had Bathsheba become his wife. And so from the people's perspective, what they saw was, oh, this, this widow whose husband was killed in the war, David makes her his wife. What a good king David is. But God knew what David did. And God tells the prophet Nathan to go and call David out. So Nathan goes to David and he, and he tells him a story. He says, let me tell you a story, David. So David says, okay, what's the story? The story is there's a man who had one sheep. And he took care of this sheep. He loved this sheep. It was his everything. And there was another man who had as many sheep as he possibly wanted. But he coveted. He was jealous of that one man's sheep. So what did he do? He killed the man. And he stole his sheep. And David gets angry. And David says, where is this man? If he is my kingdom, this man deserves to be put to death. And Nathan says, David, that was you. That's what you did. That's what you did to Uriah and Bathsheba. And David is convicted. All sin, even secret sin, hurts people. It hurts you. But it also hurts others in ways that you didn't foresee coming. You might think that something is harmless, but it can go way farther and hurt more people than you thought it would in the first place. But dealing with temptation is hard, right? If you're like David, then you're someone who, who wants to seek God, but sometimes you fall. Sometimes you find yourself in a place where you haven't been living for Jesus. You haven't been fulfilling the role. You've just been focusing maybe on resisting, but that hasn't been fun for you. And, and you just lose track of living in the freedom that Christ has given you. And sometimes you fall. After Nathan calls out David, I think David has a great example of just what we should do. David admits he is wrong. And his response is, I have sinned against the Lord. Did David sin against Uriah and Bathsheba? Yeah, absolutely. But his response is, I have sinned against the Lord because if you trace it all the way back, what was the first thing David messed up at? Is he strayed away from God. Ultimately, our sin is against God. He writes this psalm, this prayer, uh, Psalm 51. I'll show you guys just a couple of these verses. Psalm 51, 9 through 10. David prays, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Here's truth number three, our last truth of the night. God wants to restore you when you fall. God wants to restore you when you fall. Temptation's hard. And we can try as, as best we can to set ourselves up in, in a positive situation, in those home game situations where we're going to win against sexual temptation. But sometimes we are going to fall. Sometimes you could fall just in your own mind, right? 
But when you fall, don't live in regret. Live in repentance. Repentance means that we're turning away from our sin and we're pursuing God instead. It means that we're ignoring the lie that we have to resist sin before we live for Jesus and believing the truth that because we live for Jesus, we can resist sin. It means ignoring the lie that you're in control as you go further down that path of deception and believing the truth that you can win the battle against temptation before it even starts. It means ignoring the lie that this will only affect you and seeing how it affects others too and it hurts you as well. Don't live in regret. Live in repentance. Regret, I think, comes from religion. Regret is, is what happens when, when we feel like, okay, I, I can earn my way to God if I'm just good enough, if I just resist sin hard enough, I can do this. But then we fall short, right? We fall short because we can't earn our way to God. The Bible says all fall short of the glory of God. So what happens? At least to regret, at least to shame. Because we didn't make it. But God's grace is on a mission to tear down all your religion. That's what God's grace is for. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Jesus was faced with all these temptations we talked about. Jesus was faced with sexual temptation. The Bible says he was tempted in every single way, the exact same we were, except without sin. Every single kind of sexual temptation there is, Jesus was tempted with that. Jesus was tempted with same-sex attraction. Jesus was tempted with adultery. Jesus was tempted the same ways that we were, yet he did not sin. He was perfect. And because he was perfect, he was a perfect sacrifice for our sins. God himself became a man lived that perfect life, and on the cross he paid for it all. So you can live in freedom from sexual sin. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight, God, and I just pray for any student, really everyone tonight that's struggling with sexual temptation in their lives, God, that we would look at the story of David and Bathsheba as a warning, as an example, God, that we would believe the truth and not the lies, that we would focus on living for you before we focus on resisting sin, God, that we would just focus on living in the more that you have created us for. And I pray that for all these students tonight and all God's people said, amen. <laughs>